You might think it upset me that Paul Metzler had decided to run against me, but nothing could be further from the truth. He was no competition for me. It was like apples and oranges. I had to work a little harder, that's all. You see, I believe in the voters. They understand that elections aren't just popularity contests. They know this country was built by people just like me who work very hard and don't have everything handed to them on a silver spoon. Not like some rich kids who everybody likes because their fathers own Metzler cement and give them trucks on their 16th birthday and throw them big parties all the time. No, they don't ever have to work for anything. They think they can just all of a sudden, one day, out of the blue, waltz right in with no qualifications whatsoever and try to take away what other people have worked for very, very hard their entire lives. No, didn't bother me at all. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of the Sin Essential podcast. I'm John Gilpatrick, and joining me this week are Sarah Gora. Sarah, how you doing? Pretty good, sort Excellent. of. Sort of. And uh, Aaron Pinkson. Aaron, what's going on? It's just the end of the world, but I but feel at least fine. the Cubs won. <laughs> That's true. Well, oh, that yeah. obviously that is the die. first step of the apocalypse. Indeed. Right. So then. I don't want to know what that means for Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be the, the next. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, you know, the world works in mysterious ways. But I remember at a point last week when uh, the Cubs were down three games to one against the uh, Cleveland Indians. Uh, there, I had saw something that basically the Cubs odds of winning the World Series at that moment were the exact same odds of a President Trump. So yeah, I saw that too. Now, you're listening to this. If you do get the chance to listen to this, depending on what does happen on Tuesday, <laughs> uh, you'll know you'll 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 have a uh, you'll be fully aware of of what has gone down. But we're recording this the Sunday before the election, yeah. so yeah. we're still all a little tense. I think. Yeah. We all welcome our new overlord, whoever it may be. This is going to be really fun, I think, to listen to after the fact, because, yes, we're recording just a couple days before the election. You'll be listening to it afterwards, assuming, um, you know, the the airwaves are still free by Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, and, you know, and appropriately, we're going to um, spend a lot of time this week discussing Hillary Clinton and voter fraud. And uh, all in the context of our essential movie of the week, Alexander Payne's 1999 film, Election. So, Aaron, you're sort of leading the coverage of uh, the film this week. Can you mm -hmm. walk us through sort of why you think it's an essential piece of cinema and what were some of your observations, I guess, um, you know, watching it and, and stuff like that? Sure. Uh, well, I think the connection and why we're talking about maybe not specifically this film but this this kind of film this week is fairly obvious sure. uh with the with the election happening a uh, very um momentous occasion of course every four years is important but this one seems uh there's a particular feeling in the air so i haven't uh, noticed that yeah so <laughs> uh, we knew we we had to do something that uh, match the the bleak, dark comedy that has been the last couple of months of of the this campaign season. So election seemed like a, a pretty good choice. Uh, it's not really a film that I have a lot of connection with. It's only a film I had seen once prior, and that was only I think once or one or two years ago. 
Um, my wife is a big fan of the film and I think it was just one of those things on a Saturday night or something. We were looking for something to watch and it was on Netflix at the time. So we just popped it up and, and, and watched it. And, uh, obviously it's, I mean, Alexander Payne is, is probably one of the, the better filmmakers working today, even, even though he doesn't work so often. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's a great, funny, dark, in some ways tragic in some ways, uh, fairy tale like, and uh, just a very fun movie, and it, I think it's going to be a lot of fun covering it this week on the site, and uh, especially, you know, if in case something very bizarre happens on Tuesday, uh, it's it's maybe a little bit more of the world that I think we wish we were living in. Jeez, <laughs> oh, um, Sarah, do you want to talk about your relationship to the movie and and sort of where you were the first time you saw it, and and if it's something that you know you've seen a lot since then? Uh, it's always a movie that I am convinced I haven't seen, and then <laughs> I, I, I well, watched exactly. it, and I very quickly realized that I have absolutely seen it more than once. <laughs> uh, I think I think Election went through a phase on cable tv where it was sort of shawshank redemption where it was just for some reason on like a lot like i felt like it was always on tv like every every couple of weeks it was on and you could watch it and so i was sometimes sitting down and watching the whole thing and then i think that made me convinced that maybe i hadn't seen all of it because on other times i was only coming in and out of the room like watching parts here and there uh and then i didn't really think too much about it so i was pretty interested to watch it now um and yeah we'll get into this some more later i'm sure but um you know watching it uh just you know a couple of days ago i i think it was only like maybe i don't know 20 minutes into the movie and i was like oh my god it's it's hillary clinton like (laughs) this is this is this is the election that's happening right now um and it was before i didn't realize that there had been like at least three or four think pieces like saying the same thing already and i was just like oh like i mean no wonder so many outlets are running it because when you watch this you're just like yep that that is what i see right now (laughs) yeah yeah i i was particularly excited to watch this movie thinking about that with that in mind and uh it's been a while since i saw this last time i saw this i only made it about 20 minutes into it because um i had it might have been like around uh 2012 actually which is kind of funny but uh you know we were uh politics were on the mind and and uh i was i asked my wife like did you ever see the movie election she said no she hadn't and so we put it in and uh like i said we only made it about 20 minutes (laughs) it didn't go that wasn't one of my finer recommendations as far as she was concerned (laughs) um but i think i had first seen it kind of in my like formative video store days you know uh back in high school or early college when I was going to the classic shelf and trying to check out as many things as I could and and it's a film that um I don't I I, I'm gonna venture a guess that I don't feel as strongly about as either of you um and maybe we'll get into that a little bit but I I do enjoy it and I think that there's some really good stuff in there and some things that I don't really love that much either but um but yeah certainly watching it today well, yesterday, but uh, right now is super interesting. And uh, I let's let should we jump right in there? I mean, um, Sarah, you had sort of raised the is Tracy Flick Hillary Clinton question, and um, and that yes, you felt like watching it today. It she is, and it was sort of astonishing to you. And do you want to like explain some of the ways that is? 
Yeah. Um, so I, I want to say this right out of the gate. Uh, as much as it makes me think of her in the 2016 election, there is not a Trump figure in this movie. Right. There is I want to talk somebody, about that too. <laughs> there's not somebody that I think fits that role at all. But what they do, what there is, is because like, I think I remembered maybe advertising for the movie or in, and then maybe like jumbling things up as I remembered, you know, like the snippets that I had seen where like I had it in my head that like Tracy Flick was just some sort of like like crazy like bitch, like just a just a total lunatic. And then I watched it and I was like, she doesn't really do much wrong at all. Like she makes mis- she makes a mistake. Uh-huh. And like the vitriol she gets for it is not even half as bad as the vitriol she gets just for being like a student that is intelligent and dedicated and kind of socially awkward. Like she seems a lot more concerned with like the things she's trying to accomplish than like mm-hmm. being like an appealing person and like the ire that raises in people. I was like, oh, so that's it's Hillary. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to say, like, I'm not trying to make some grandiose statement about, like, Hillary's mistakes, because I definitely understand why people are upset about whatever they are upset about with her, like, but at the same time, like, the amount of hate she just gets for being somebody who's like, I've spent my life in politics, and I really want, I really want to be a good politician, and, like, I'm not particularly funny or likable. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> People just hate her, hate her for that alone, aside from anything else. I don't know if you guys were agreeing, if you were, like, thinking that and had already had that in mind when you were going into the movie, or if you were surprised when you were watching it. I, I sort of had it going, I had it in my head going into it. I was trying to find those things. Um, and I would say that something that I, I honestly couldn't tell you who wrote this about Hillary Clinton, but it sort of reminded me of... Um, of the quote when I was watching the movie, but just that the idea that she, that Hillary Clinton is a terrible campaigner, but a good person when it comes to governance. Like, I feel like that's probably true of Tracy Flick too, where it's like when she's begging you for her vote, it irritates you and you don't find her relatable in any sort of way, but she's sort of objectively the right person for the job when you compare her, especially to the rest of the field. Um, right. <laughs> and so I thought that was sort of interesting. And there was also like one quote, um, that came up over the course of the film that, um, I thought really summed it up well, and it's a little bit long, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Um, and she's sort of ranting about, um, it's shortly after she finds out that Paul, uh, who's played by Chris Klein is, uh, joining the election previously she had been, you know, running unopposed for student council president. And she says, you might think it upset me that Paul Metzler had decided to run against me, but nothing could be further from the truth. He was no competition for me. It was like apples and oranges, which is funny because apples and oranges was a metaphor that was used to get him into the, uh, into the race. Uh, yeah. she, she says, I had to work a little harder. That's all. You see, I believe in the voters. I understand that elections aren't just popularity contests. They know this country was built by people just like me who work very hard and don't have everything handed to them on a silver spoon. Not like some rich kids who everybody likes because their fathers own Metzler cement and give them trucks for their 16th birthday and throw them big parties all the time. No, they don't ever have to work for anything. They can just wait and all of a sudden, one day, out of the blue, waltz right in with no qualifications whatsoever and try to 
to take away what other people have worked for very, very hard for their entire lives. No, it didn't bother me at all. <laughs> and I thought... Like, yeah, I can see some parallels there. <laughs> now that you yeah. see um, and so, And then the other thing, um, going back to something that you said, um, Sarah... Uh, that there's no Trump figure in this film. Um, I think that that's definitely true, though I would argue that there's, like, elements of Trump in both Paul and Tammy. Um, And I'd like to get into that a little bit later, but before we run too far away from the Tracy-Hillary comparisons, let's let Aaron chime in. What do you think about this, Aaron? Yeah, well, thinking uh, thinking of Tracy, I think you guys both brought up some very interesting points, and when you think about why Tracy has kind of been considered this anti-hero in in the way that I think people think about her in this film, um, I think there are two reasons why she does sort of stick out as, as a villain and, and they're really not her fault, but I think in the world of the film, it makes a lot of sense. First is that she's just, she's kind of like the the big fish in a small pond kind of uh, mentality. Uh, whereas this of course takes place in Omaha, very Midwestern, very small uh, suburban, you know, uh, city. And Tracy doesn't really fit in, in this kind of world. She's, as you see by the end of the film, when she goes to Georgetown and, and she's kind of in this actual political machine, she seems like, straight like so striking as an adult you know like she seems like a totally different person once you put her in that context uh so i think i i think that that that's one reason and and then the other and you guys kind of touched on this but she's just a little too idealistic i think especially when you look at her as opposed to tammy who is kind of the voice of the people <laughs> i think and and really gives the film the biggest piece of sort of biting satire when it comes to governance and elections and in the idea that like, what does it matter? Like it doesn't matter who's elected. They're not going to get anything done. Even like if they have all of these great ideas, like what's it really matter? Like the the best, the best thing somebody could do if they're elected is basically just burn down the whole system uh, and, and not have, you know, a governance at all and and we're all going to be better for it i think when you oppose tracy to that uh sort of idea in a very cynical way she's as much a part of the problem uh as as anyone else is and i think uh one of the i i just really love that whole apples and oranges like metaphor and how often it comes back with like of all the, like three of them using it in like very different ways. Like you have Mr. McAllister, like we, first we have that quote that you already mentioned with Tracy saying, you know, it's apples and oranges. Like it's, you know, like it's clearly like it's totally different. Yeah. And then you have Mr. McAllister trying to say like, you know, it's like apples and oranges. You want people to have a choice, but he is in a classroom with a piece of chalk and what he draws to illustrate his point are two nearly identical circles. Right. And he's like, you see like apples and oranges and, I'm, and you're looking at the board and you're like, I see two circles that look exactly fucking the same. Yeah. The, the other thing, um, I guess another part of Tracy's personality that does fit in with the idea of her being Hillary is you have to admit she is a bit entitled. Now, of course she she has that big speech about uh, that, that you just read about, 
you know, not being hand, handed things on a silver platter, you know, not coming from a rich family. But she also is quick to play the card of her mom being a, a, a paralegal and being able to to come into the school and, and you know, sue everybody. Uh, so I, I, I think there's there's something there, too. Um, I mean, she is at times very much an entitled little brat uh, and you can't overlook that. Right. And I think that there's a moment early on, I think that she sort of lost a lot of my sympathy, at least this time around, where she really kind of uh, get, she is narrating and she talks about how Mr. McAllister, he's such a loser, he just stands in the same room over and over again wearing the same stupid clothes and, and gives the same lectures and he's just so jealous of all his students who go on to uh, go to college and do great things and make lots of money because he's, he's just yeah. like such a loser. And I'm like, you know, the idea that she's already looking down upon people who live in Omaha and people who, you know, work in jobs like education is, is I, you know, it makes you sort of understand why you people would want to maybe knock her down a peg, even though it goes way too far <laughs> as film goes on. And, uh, and that's another really funny sort of montage when she's explaining about how Mr. McAllister does the same thing every day. And, and we see him literally do the same thing every day and his right. hair get a little <laughs> bit grayer and longer. <laughs> Moving around the, the branches yeah. of the government on the triangle. Yeah, the right, right, exactly. Underlining um, them sometimes, yeah. I'm curious what you guys think of the sort of incident that really spurs on the whole film, which is the affair that... Tracy Flick has with uh, a teacher uh, at the school who's the best friend of of Jim McAllister. Uh, how do you think that was portrayed on the film? Because I think that's one of definitely one of the darker elements of the film. Yeah. It also <laughs> kind of I don't know. I have trouble with it. Yeah, I actually I took a a lot of notes around that part because it was definitely one of the scenes, especially since I remember watching this on TV so I can imagine it was probably cut like a lot of the um well I guess he's the one Trump-like element when he's just the first thing out of this teacher's mouth is talking about a 16 year old girl's pussy <laughs> with that word exactly right um there it so is. <laughs> I, I spent some time thinking about it because they don't play it sort of straight I suppose it's not played as if uh it's the simple simple straightforward thing where Tracy's a victim only right. and he's a monster only, um, which I think is probably where some of the like sort of unsettled feelings probably come from. Cause I definitely had them as well. But when I was looking at how everything about their relationship is sort of like set up and explained the fair, the fact that uh, Alexander Payne gives us that very gross pussy comment right before he shows how they got together, which even though it's from Tracy's point of view, everything about his conversation with her, it's like two of them are alone at this pizza place. All the other students have left and he's talking to her as if he's pretending, not pretending, but as if he's this, you know, great teacher. And he really sees a lot in Tracy. And then he slips in this, like, and you're very like attractive. Um, everything about that conversation is so predatory and so gross. Like, that is exactly how like people in positions of power prey on the people that work under them or are their students or whatever, where it's just, no, like I'm building this connection, but any teacher would know that that is an incredibly inappropriate thing to say to a student and you wouldn't do it unless you were trying to like 
finagle this sort of gross situation. So he's then shown later, oh, I loved her, like, and it ruins his whole life and blah, 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 blah. And I just think that it ended up getting at less of a, uh, a, a statement about assault or uh, like whatever you want to call it or, you know, statutory rape um, and more about the absolute failure of almost everybody in this movie to understand what anyone else that they interact with thinks or feels like they have no grasp at all. He, he is very convinced that she loves him exactly as much as he loves her. And that is not true. She is absolutely convinced that she had full agency in this situation, which is absolutely not true. Mr. McAllister thinks that he's the good guy. It's not true because he should have called the police. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Nobody, everybody is like, no, this is how I see myself. And this is, I'm, and I'm right. Cause I understand everything. It's just like, no, you didn't though. You didn't like, (laughs) this is not Lolita. This is not some weird old man fantasy. This is just at so many levels. I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of getting spiraling, getting away from. Yeah. I can't help but think that if, and I know it, this movie wasn't made that long ago, but I feel like if it were made today, if it came out today, it would definitely be different. Um, I think it would either, it would either, and I think it could be different in one of two ways. One, it, it, you, you might see a little bit more blame placed anywhere. Um, -hmm. but I, I think it could also even really push the, the darker elements of, of this incident harder. So it, it is a little bit more, not necessarily graphic, but a little bit more like you you feel it a little bit more intensely instead of being just kind of the opening of this this story we're going to tell you and then we're going to move on and it's really going to be about something else yeah if, if you know what i mean i do yeah i i agree i mean i live in pennsylvania and sort of the uh penn state scandal that that rocked the state in uh a few years ago like mm-hmm. looms large over things like this um and i it's kind of amazing to me that that nothing was said that any of these people could like still have their jobs and it wouldn't like the idea that jim McAllister like took the election away from tracy becomes a national story by the end of this movie and not the fact that uh, a teacher was being predatory sexually towards her. Well, and, and they and they clearly sort of even in the film they excuse it to allow for the movie to to happen. I mean, there's a line sure, right. that I mean, McAllister threatens Tracy at one point, saying literally, like, "Yeah, do you want this to get out? Like, there's a reason nobody knows about this, uh, and you're you know basically your life could be ruined." in some way I could just tell people, you know what I mean? So yeah, I don't, I don't know how they kept it hush, <laughs> but I don't think that would have happened today. That's for sure. No, certainly not. And obviously it's, you know, the film is based on a novel that's fictional and this is just a plot device to, I think early on establish that these two primary characters, Jim and Tracy are not really likable people. And for me, I had mentioned in the outset that, like, this isn't a film that I really love, and that's ultimately kind of what that comes back to, is that, like, I hate everybody in this movie. <laughs> and um, sometimes I can laugh at them, but most of the time it's just, like, they make me cringe and uncomfortable, and I just, like, want them all to sort of suffer for their sins, and... Well, not Paul. Surely yeah, not Paul. I mean, Paul's pretty harmless, 
but <laughs> I think there's like people like Paul that aren't harmless and yeah. that like his sort of ignorance and yet the fact that he kind of can do and say whatever he wants is ultimately going to be more problematic for him later in life but but yeah like there's nobody to sort of grasp grasp onto for me and well, um, yeah go ahead I would I would interject that I Tracy just could never really lose all of my sort of sympathy and more or less even kind of rooting for her she's sort of not sort of she is in if she were a real person that i was in a room with she would be intensely unlikable <laughs> just, <laughs> but here's here's what i think is interesting and is, is that especially like in 2016 yes she is intensely unlikable she can be entitled she uh makes mistakes and i'm sure we'll get into this more later you know she, there's the scene where she destroys her you know rival paul's posters in like a in a fit of rage but at the same time mr McAllister threatened an underage child that had been abused by a grown man Ugh. that he would shame her for the relationship that they had I, I don't That's, mean to. Yeah, that is fucked up. That's that so is fucked all, up. Like, that is beyond everything that he does is so beyond, and he he is incapable of seeing himself as anything but the good guy while refusing to acknowledge like the even the awful things that his friend did. Like he acts like it's a sad story. When really, like, no, that's a heinous, illegal crime. I know, like, poor like, like, he, <laughs> I mean, you should, you should not design. feel bad for your asshole teacher friend yeah, who, who got he, fired the, because he should have. Whose wife he then goes on to sleep with. Right. Like, I, I, uh, <laughs> so it's like Tracy's level of bad just can't even come close to comparing with the largely the adults. I don't, again, this is why, like, I don't like Paul isn't a Trump figure. Paul is not nearly bad enough. Paul is mostly a pretty, actually pretty smart. Like not, he's not a complete meathead who doesn't understand anything. Right. Uh, I mean, he's definitely not as smart as Tracy, but he's a decent, good person. He's just not comparatively not the right person for the job. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I certainly didn't want to imply that Jim's sins are, uh, on a level at all with Tracy's or anybody else's, but um, I do think that uh, you know if you're asking me to vote for either one of these two people, uh, <laughs> I might be writing in Evan McMullen. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Evan what? McMullen is the guy who helps tally the votes with Mr. McAllister. Yeah, <laughs> yeah go I ahead. I think we have another strong contender uh, with my my absolute favorite credit in the end credits uh, for. Eat me, boy. <laughs> that is a character's name because he just shouts "eat" yes, at least does. twice in the movie. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, so uh, we haven't really talked about Tammy at all, um, and I do think that uh, in our search for a Trump figure, she probably comes the closest because she is trying to subvert this. Uh, sort of moronic system of uh, electing a student body president, but I think her means are obviously much different than his. She wants to do this to kind of bring, you know, not have a government at all in the school while uh, that's, I don't think, what uh, what DJT is trying to pull off. Um, Isn't that more like Gary Johnson? I get, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> She's Donald Johnson. <laughs> well, we also, we can't forget that 
she doesn't really have an ideology. I mean, this kind of just comes out of spite, really, uh, for being... Which, that sounds a lot by, like Trump. <laughs> yeah, you know, being being passed up by someone she loves and is just kind of just kind of throws her, herself into this for, you know, to to make sure that her her uh, she can bring down her brother in some ways, you know. Um, so when you kind of think of that, she's much less of a hero figure than I think she is when she's or when she gets into the actual race and has this this brilliant decree that all of the the rest of the high school students absolutely throw themselves at. Uh, I mean, she obviously would have won the election probably if <laughs> if if she was allowed to to run in the end. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think of her? Um, I, th- I mean, I think oh, she's an interesting character. Um, I think that the film probably doesn't do the character uh, a great service. Like as it goes on, like she's sort of written off as just uh, like. They, they, you know, they want to get it down to a horse race between the two, and and so she's just like, oh, you're gonna go to Catholic school now, so bye. And then we see like five minutes of her in Catholic school later in the film, and I, I felt like I always wanted more from that, um, that right. sort of subplot. Um, but Sarah, what did you think? Um, well, was well, something that I liked actually. Uh, so it should be said, uh, Tammy is a lesbian in the movie, mm-hmm. um, and. I think that they actually did a decent job of showing that not only was this election stunt and her, uh, cause there's a scene where she takes, she takes the blame for tearing down the posters, even though Mr. M knows it wasn't her. Right. He knows the only person it makes sense is that it was Tracy. Uh, but she confesses and says that I did it. And that ends up being the thing that gets her taken off the ballot and sent to Catholic school. But they, they put this scene in which when you first see it, um, you're almost not sure what's going on, uh, but you see her ride her bike when she's suspended to this field where there's an all-girls lacrosse practice happening, and she sort of watches in the background, and you can see her in her face that she's wishing she was in that group, um, wishing she was like playing on the team with these people. And so and like, what I think ends up happening is that she's not just using the election for revenge. She's using it as the impetus to get herself kicked out of public school and sent to the all-girls Catholic school. Yeah. She assumes that, like, as this budding, you know, lesbian, that she'll have an easier time finding somebody to replace her girlfriend that, you know, broke her heart. One of the sneaky things that the film does really, I think, kind of, nice and sweetly is all of our major characters kind of find their place by the end. Like they're, they're sort of all jammed together in this Omaha high school, um, which they don't really, none of them really belong in, in one way or another. But by the end, like for example, Tammy is now has this, this great new friendship possible romance uh, in this, this Catholic school that you know, seems like the place that wouldn't be able to foster this sort of thing. But as she says, you know, they're supposed to be more strict, but you can basically get away with anything. Yeah. Uh, and then by the end, you have Tracy, as I mentioned before, she's now in Washington, D.C. She's going to Georgetown. She's real in actual politics. She might be sleeping with the senator, maybe, <laughs> or uh, <laughs> at least as a senator's aide. I mean, I guess you, 
I, I think there's a little bit of subtext in, in yeah. the final place that we see Tracy. Uh, and then McAllister, even he's now in the big city of New York. He's, you know, a tour guide. He might not be what he would have thought to have been uh, in his happy life. But once everything is kind of shaken up and he's kind of spit out at the end, I don't know. I think he, it's actually kind of a hopeful place for him. And he's he's himself is in this new relationship and and, and everything. So I, I think that that's kind of an interesting thing that didn't really occur to me uh, while I was watching the film. But uh, with Omaha being such an important place for Alexander Payne and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it's not necessary. It doesn't feel as important in election as it does in something like Nebraska um his you know his most recent movie it still really shows how how that community works and how the people like in in many cases in real life they they move out of their small towns uh once they realize that they probably should do that (laughs) um i do want to say i don't know if i think it's fair to I don't, I don't know if I see the subtext or think it's fair to insinuate that Tracy has somehow slept her way to the top instead of just earned it like she seems to have done with everything else. Oh, yeah. No, I, I didn't really mean th- that in that case, just in this kind of the specific way that this relationship she's in now, you know, this working relationship or not. I, I don't know if, if there's any reason to believe that she, you know, she has a bit of a manipulator though so I, I think you could kind of read into that i don't know if i necessarily did but there's something in that where we leave tracy that's a little i think seems a little strange yeah i think it could also be uh a way to suggest that mr McAllister, who is watching her might yeah. be the one assuming these things yeah that's, that's what i was gonna say the same yeah. thing we're seeing this yeah. scene this last scene entirely from his perspective so yeah that uh it might be painted in that way i do love the phrase uh freeze frames throughout the movie of the funny oh, so sort of <laughs> faces that they catch reese witherspoon and flash tracy yeah. Chicken. um yeah. so you sort of brought up the ending and the idea that like all of these people are sort of in a place where maybe they should be where they truly belong. Um, but Sarah, I know that there is an alternate ending to election that got uh, killed in sort of test screenings. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I don't remember how I stumbled upon it. I was looking for something else and then I found uh, this article. I think it was on Jezebel. Um, and I, the, the little clip, it's terrible quality, um, is still still up on the site, so you can watch it. It's it's I think almost ten minutes long, so it's a good it's a good chunk. Yeah. And everything we see at the end, all of that is gone. And McAllister does not move to New York. He does not get to work in a museum. We don't see what Tracy does in college. We don't get anything about the the other characters. Uh, and Mr. McAllister is still in Omaha and he is a used car salesman. <laughs> so it's in some ways a bit bleaker. But then what's surprising. Um, so this is something that uh, Aaron brought up before uh, we started the show today. Because um, the the writer of the, the author of the book uh, that the screenplay was based on is Tom Parada, who wrote The Leftovers which is on HBO is very good and very, 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 very sad. <laughs> More often than that, it's very dark. Um, so he also, it's, it, he yeah. also, 
Sorry, he also wrote Little Children, which we talked about a couple of podcasts ago in, in connection with The Departed. Uh, and that, I think, you have some of the the ties with sort of sexual deviance mm-hmm. uh, and things uh, like yeah. that. It's, that all runs through Little Children. And there's that little bit of hint uh, in a couple of places here in election that, that those certainly seem to be kind of in the same world, uh, even if Little Children is a little bit more intense. Yeah. But uh, the, the reason I brought that up is because the question uh, that you asked was, you know, I was you know, wondering if this alternate ending would be, you know, if the book was darker. Uh, and so what's interesting, I think, then, is that the alternate ending is supposed to be much closer to what happens at the end of the book. And it is a reconciliation between McAllister and Tracy, where he apologizes for taking out the anger he had about the failings of his own personal life on her. <sighs> And like he signs her yearbook, which she has brought because nobody signs it at the end of the school year. Like she doesn't really have any friends, but he signs it. And it's this very sweet thing. And apparently test audiences hated it. (laughs) They were not interested in that kind of like happy ending. Uh, And in some ways, I kind of agree because I actually think there's a lot worth. uh, There's a lot of valuable stuff that got added when they decided to change things up and do it this this very sort of different way which i actually don't think is particularly uplifting for most of the characters because the number one thing we see is that we've had this whole movie where people are living their lives and all these things have happened and not a single one of them learned a goddamn thing yeah because we here we have McAllister who's uh, having another long monologue about how great his life is his apartment is tiny and terrible uh he's divorced he he's not teaching anymore he's leading around tour groups at the museum which isn't horrible but it's also like it's very clearly not what he said he wanted to do with his life right it's uh, available he's <laughs> every way about the way he's like shot and framed it's like he's saying how great it is and all you can think as a person watching it is wow that looks like it sucks <laughs> and then we don't we don't even really know where uh poor poor Paul is gonna end up, but he's yeah. like still seems as dumb and gullible as ever. Well, if he had Tammy. won the election, he may have been dead. So. <laughs> yeah. And then we have Tammy who, yeah, she got into Catholic school and has a new girlfriend, but then Alexander Payne shoots the shots of her and the girl in almost the exact, exact same places yep. and the same way as her ex girlfriend who she swing. was yeah. and like <laughs> It's, she's making the same mistake all over again, putting everything she has into this one person as if they're going to be together forever when, you know, you're 16, 17 years old. You're not. Or, like, very likely you are not. Right. Um, and then Tracy doesn't get quite the same treatment at the very end, but we do see her. She goes off to college. And, yeah, if you didn't learn how to deal with other human beings, human beings in college are not going to be any better. <laughs> they're still going to seem like too involved with a social life than with intellectual pursuits. So she doesn't fit in there either. Hmm, uh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It was a bummer is what I want. Yeah. Say. There's, it's really, compli- <laughs> it's really complex, it's right? I mean, y- you and I just sort of told to diametrically oppose <laughs> yeah, exactly. know, views of views of the, the final moments of the film. And I, and I definitely see a lot of what you're saying uh, too, but I, uh, yeah, I think that's why the end of this movie, I think, is is pretty interesting. Yeah, it um, is interesting. 
love to segue to that. Um, if you don't mind me asking you guys your thoughts about it, because uh, one of the questions I had, so the very last, the very last line of the movie as Tracy, you know, is leaving this government building with, or government looking building, looking very polished with somebody who very much looks like another politician getting into this black, you know, like range something like fancy car or whatever, uh, black sedan. Um, and McAllister is watching her feeling all of the same range he had earlier. And he, as he hurls his, his coffee cup at the car, he shouts, who the fuck does she think she is? And I was reading this article when I was doing some research after I watched the movie, uh, on the cut that, had a really great phrase where they called the ending to this movie as a perfect Rorschach blot test for how do you, the audience feel about feminism? Because one of the other things that I found is that there's articles about this movie. If you type in like election feminism, there's articles that are like, yes, this is a, is a very interesting feminist look at, you know, how women are treated. And there is a certain uh, subreddit of the internet that uh, holds it up as a beacon as well as a uh, dismantling and look at everything that 90s feminism ruined about men. (laughs) So so I think that is absolutely fascinating. And I wondered if you, I don't know how you guys read the end of the movie, if you can see like, if you feel like it's strongly pulling in one way or the other, if you think that, you know, maybe there's feminist elements but that's not the point of the movie and it's saying something totally different or, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of wondered your thoughts. Cause I thought that was absolutely crazy that like, there could be articles like, you know, on bitch media that are like, yeah, it's a feminist movie. And then some <sighs> MRA site. <laughs> that's yeah. like, yes, this is a great movie. I think I'll let you take that one, John. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I hadn't really considered the end of the movie in that context, but I would say that, um, throughout the movie i i really feel like even though we're kind of getting like even i would say relatively even narration from tracy and jim McAllister as sort of lead a and lead b right and then i would mm-hmm. say sort of after that you've got supporting player a supporting player b in paul and tammy with relatively even numbers of narration and screen time um, devoted mm-hmm. to them so like you've got a fairly even split when it comes to the men and the women in this movie i i think that the perspective is primarily male um i feel like jim's sort of uh opinions sort of i don't maybe it's the way that he's introduced first or i i, I can't even remember but i always sort of felt like that his sort of worldview dominates the film um, i agree with you there and so I think of it, I, I, so I have a hard time considering it as a feminist, uh, feminist movie. Um, and then if you also consider sort of like the, the tertiary, I guess, female characters, uh, Jim's wife, whose entire uh, story in this movie is, I'd like <laughs> to have a baby now, please. Uh, right. And I'm not going to repeat some of the things that uh, she would like him to do to her. <laughs> 
which is like the most horrifying thing in this movie. Um, and then also Linda, who is, uh, you know, the wife of, uh, Dave, uh, Dave, who is the predatory teacher and, uh, Jim's friend who then, uh, starts having an affair with Jim. Oh, I guess not really an affair. They just have, uh, they just get together one time. Um, but those characters, I think their, uh, perspectives are really limited and very, uh, superficial and sort of, uh, just oh gosh really reductive so i would say definitely not a feminist movie in my opinion well and don't forget lisa as well who's the the girl who spurns tammy uh, at the beginning of the film who's sort of that very archetypal kind of like lesbian flirt who really isn't a lesbian kind of thing um well i i want to argue against that actually okay because I think the problem with re- with reducing her to that, because it doesn't seem like she is in in love with either Paul or the other right. boys. She's like she is very uncomfortable with the thought of being gay. Yeah. And the problem with being in a relationship with Tammy is that Tammy is like, I am in love with very you. Intense. We are in love. We will never break up. And like, yeah. if somebody who's young and discovering your sexuality in what seems to be a particularly conservative town and what was not, you know, probably even especially conservative in 1999, even though, you know, maybe other parts of the country were coming around. Right. Uh, I would, I would expect less so there. So it doesn't ever seem like she's doing anything with these boys other than trying to prove to herself that she's, she's not like that. I'm not like, I'm not like Tammy. I'm, I'm not that person. I don't want to be that person because that's something that gets you like bullied or beat up or whatever the subject might be. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the complication, I think with the perspectives of the film, like there's probably an alternate way that this movie could have played where, you know, it, it was totally 100% just a fixation from Tammy. uh, And um, yeah, you know, her friend had, you know, there was, there was no uh, attraction or uh, indication that, that she had any sort of feelings in that way at all. Um, but then also, you know, the first thing that Lisa does when she rejects Tammy is go straight to her brother and, you know, uh, starts a, you know, a sexual relationship with him. So I think just the way that the perspectives of, of the film play, again, it's sort of complicated in terms of characters maybe being one thing only because that's how we see them through the eyes of other right. characters. Uh, yeah, or how to tell sometimes when we were seeing something we should assume was true and when we were seeing something that we needed to assume was from a character's point of view. Absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I definitely I like cause, so because I'm not trying to say that, uh, you know, the way I was reading things was 100 percent correct. I just wanted to toss out there like the stuff that I was picking up on and the paths and threads that I was following with it. Because, like, I actually do think that there's plenty of reason to assume that despite the male perspective, uh, that you could call it a feminist movie. Because I think so much of the male perspective is shown that... Uh, that was fucked uh, up. <laughs> garbage, man. Like, he's... His perspective is bad. His, the way he views women is bad. And that is yeah. part of why he is continually ruining his relationships with the women he encounters. Like, yeah. he, yeah. he doesn't bother to 
talk to his wife about anything that's going on. She asks and he kind of blows her off and goes off on his own. And then he's like, yeah, we're very happy. And it's like, well, did you ask her how her day was? Because I didn't hear you, sir. <laughs> um, and then at the same, you know, continuing off of that, uh, his relationship, which it goes from friendship to a uh, one-time fling, uh, not not the affair, is that he sees the one-time fling completely as this mutual, like they are there together. Like yeah, he wants love. to be his wife for her. And when we hear her side of it, which we get through a, a phone conversation and maybe a voicemail or, or maybe it's just they're on the phone. She says, no, this was a one time mistake. And he's he's like, you you jumped me like you kissed me trying to ignore the fact that he's been going over to her house, trying to sneak alone time with her, clearly pushing for something to happen the whole like for weeks and then he wants to say oh no it was all you when she's like no dude you you opened this door but now i think that it was a mistake and i want to close it and he can't he can't accept any responsibility for it uh, um so like, i think I that this even, guy so much yeah i think yeah. it's 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 also maybe a little as an adult <laughs> it's also maybe a little a hashtag problematic how that that subplot is is sort of presented um, because it, it, you, so you go from basically, um, uh, the, the woman, I, I can't remember her name, but, uh, she, uh, yeah, she basically says, you know, why don't we go to that hotel that you mentioned? And then the next like 15 minutes or so is basically this kind of like madcap comedy about him getting, go going to Walgreens and like leaving his students to take a test yeah. and like getting, <laughs> Uh, you know, getting stung in the eye by a bee and like all of these like just weird, it kind of takes a strange turn for about two or three scenes. Uh, and then the, and then we totally, and then she disappears literally from the film. And then we don't get anything again from her until she says, you know, disconnected on a phone, you know, that, you know, I, you know, I, I was, I needed to be comforted and you kind of took advantage of that. So like, you don't really, you don't see her come to that realization um, and you and you can see it, but you can see that happening, but kind of, at least from my perspective, and I think from some of the ways that the film presents it, um, you don't necessarily see that as the main, uh, the main um, thrust of, of their relationship until it like kind of hits you in the, the face with it. Mm hmm. Uh, all right, guys, so I think that we can probably be uh, talking about this for the rest of the day. Uh, I <laughs> It's a fun movie to kind of uh, dive in in this way, um, and I've enjoyed talking about it with you. I think you've both increased my appreciation for it uh, just a little bit. So um, I think uh, we will, in the interest of time, kind of start to wind things down, but I want to pose a question to you about the film's director, Alexander Payne, and uh, we'll have like a pretend sort of little election here. And on the ballot is the movie election and other. And other is represented by the, uh, I guess, maybe five or six other movies in Alexander Payne's filmography as a director. And if I asked you to cast a vote for election or for something else, what would you vote? And if it's other, uh, maybe let us know what movie that is and, and why you like it most. Okay, so that's a good question. Um my my gut instinct is to say other okay and i i will say that i haven't seen 
two of his movies. I haven't seen About Schmidt, and I haven't seen Citizen Ruth, which I'm, those are probably films I should see. Um, I think Citizen Ruth has kind of gotten a, a bit of a reevaluation over the last couple of years. So those are probably things that I should come up with uh, at some point. But I, I'm thinking if I had to pick one of his movies um, that I would choose above would probably be, and say this is hard, probably Nebraska. <laughs> okay. I, I think I don't dislike any of his movies. Uh-huh. Um, but when I actually kind of think about them, like The Descendants, I think is is good. It's not a movie like I ever think I need to see again. Uh-huh. Um, my gut kind of was thinking sideways, but I think there are a lot of problems with sideways. Uh-huh. Um, e- even even more so than the complicated nature that we've been talking about in election. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think there there's some you know some ways that those characters are represented that uh, are a little troublesome. Um, so I think I'll go with the. Nebraska, which for one is just a gorgeous movie. I mean, the cinematography in that film is just uh, just astounding. One of the best shot movies of of the past ten years, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think its lead performance. Uh, which uh, one? From, well, for I guess Bruce Dern. I, okay. I mean, he's maybe more of he's maybe more of the supporting character in terms of him or Will Forte, but as the sort of the star, the 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 encapsulation of the movie. I think it's a really kind of tender look at that character, even though we kind of know that he's uh, obviously in the last stages of his life. He, he doesn't quite have the, the mental facility uh, that he once would have. Um, but I think it's, that's just the, the best um, balance of just emotional re- resonance and just fun, entertaining comedy is probably Nebraska. Okay, Sarah, what do you think? Um, it's a hard one for me because I love Nebraska for all of the reasons Aaron just said, and also uh, it cannot help but speak to my Midwestern bred <laughs> heart and soul, especially as the child of a <laughs> reserved, aloof father figure. Uh, I was just like, but he loves his son, but he doesn't know how to show it. It's so beautiful. Um <laughs> And oh, June Squibb, of course, who is just amazing. Oh, she's a treasure, yeah. Nobody, and I feel like we nobody we, flashes we, a tombstone like June. <laughs> and I feel like we saw her, like at least I saw her in like ten different things after Nebraska. And every time I would be like, "Oh my God, it's June Squibb! June Squibb, it's gonna be amazing!" So can't can't uh, forget that. But yeah, even though even though I love Nebraska a lot, like that was one of my absolute favorite movies of uh, 2013. Um, I think I have to say Sideways um that that movie just meant a lot to me when i saw it and it was maybe only the second movie i'd ever seen like i think i saw it sometime in high school when i was just starting to watch movies that people might consider like cinema (laughs) and not just uh clueless for the six thousandth time um but that i just it sticks out in my mind uh as being one of the first movies that showed me how a movie could end without having to tell you everything that happened uh like that shot of him knocking on the door or like about to knock i forget which one it actually is but you don't see the door open you don't know if she comes you don't know if they get together you don't know if there's anything happy that happens at all and I, i like think about it sometimes still 
Um, I also say you don't understand my plight like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> There's something to be said about a movie that you can quote like over and over and over again. <laughs> um, yeah. Sideways might be that movie. Um, for me, um, yeah, I, it's going to be 0 for 3 for election, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I think that Alexander Payne's movies are sort of interesting for me because all of them, I've seen all of them, and I think all of oh, them wow. either get uh, like quite a bit better or quite a bit worse on a second viewing. And I think Election's <laughs> a movie that probably got better for me as I've watched it. I've seen it maybe three or four times now, and I certainly have my issues with it still, but I like it more uh, this time than I think ever before, especially after having hashed out some of uh, my issues with it. Um, with you guys, I think that um, Sideways is a movie that, for me, I, I, I watched it at a similar time in my life, Sarah, where I was just starting to get into movies, and I was, like, so excited that I saw a movie that was nominated for an Oscar in a theater yep. because I felt like exactly. a grown-up, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I have fond memories of that, and I, I remember seeing it with, like, two of my really good friends at the time, and we had a fun time, and... and um, and I liked that, and then I, I rewatched it, like, in the last, like, year or two, and I remember thinking, like, I, I, I almost didn't like it. I was like, I, it was a huge bummer for me, and I thought, like, I had a bunch of issues with it. I thought, like, it was shot really weirdly, and I, I it just, I thought it looked bad, and um, I, I don't know, something about it just didn't click with me that time. Um, I think The Descendants, like, the first time I watched it, I was, like, bawling like a baby. And the second time I watched it, I was just groaning. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so, like, cloying. And then Nebraska is a movie that I watched, and I thought, like, oh, that was, like, pretty good. Okay. And then I watched it. I remember watching it, like, three or four times. I got a screener for it um, at the end of the year, and I just, like, couldn't get enough of it. I, I just kept going back to it. And so um, if you ask me today, I think I'd have to go with Nebraska because the the sort of feelings I have after having watched that last time have lingered, um, and some of the other ones got a little bit worse. But it's a, it's a tough call. So I definitely would say other. I don't think I would say election. I thought both of you guys were going to say election, so that's why I kind of posed it that way. Um but it could change. I could watch one of these movies like after we hang up the call and I'd have a mm -hmm. different answer for you. So it's, it's interesting in that way. Well, I think you can't really go wrong because I think if you're a subscriber to the auteur theory, I think Alexander Payne is, is definitely one of the filmmakers that are working today. You would put into that sure. uh, category as being an auteur. I mean, all of his movies have such a distinct point of view. A lot of them, of course, taking place in 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 Omaha and that being a, a very special important place for Alexander Payne yeah. since that's kind of where he grew up and then even it like the descendants takes place in Hawaii but it's it's really about that I mean it's really about Hawaii and then you know sideways takes place in in California but it's really about where it is I think because he has such a strong element of of place and um all of his movies are I mean all of his movies are at least the ones I've seen are really funny. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, th I think you can't really go wrong with, with Alexander Payne. Um, he's supposedly has a new movie coming out next year. There there's very little information on IMDb at this point. There isn't even a cast listed, hmm. but the, there is a one sentence uh, plot synopsis, which is, seems like it might be interesting i'm gonna read it for you yes please do i'm, I'm waiting it's, with bated breath <laughs> so the movie is at this point titled downsizing which oh, okay. you get one idea of what that is yeah and uh 
the the plot synopsis here is a social satire which makes sense for pain uh in which a guy realizes he would have a better life if he had if he were to shrink himself oh that's not what i thought you were gonna say (laughs) right it's sort of uh the literal version of downsizing so uh it might be alexander payne's uh the cobbler who knows Oh, I hope not. <laughs> uh, I I can only imagine it. It's going to be as good as any films that he has made. Uh, he of course is wrote the screenplay for it. Uh, it looks like he co-wrote the screenplay with Jim Taylor, who I think he co-wrote Sideways with. So and uh, Election also. And about Schmidt, it looks like too. So well, most of his movies. So. I'm sure it's going to be great. Uh, looks like it's a December 2017 release at this point. That could probably and most likely change. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I need more Alexander Payne. I think uh, he's, uh, I think not someone I've ever thought of as like one of the best directors, uh, either working or ever. But I mean, I, I can't really complain about the run of films that he's had. I, I think he's only just put out quality. So yeah. Uh, he wrote Jurassic Park 3. That's another <laughs> notch in my belt. I oh. love it. Okay. Uh, I think right. most people would disagree with that one. Yeah, we'll talk about that sometime. Jurassic uh, 3 is a great movie, you guys. <laughs> so next week at the Sentential, <laughs> we will be covering Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> uh okay that should that will definitely be fun um but uh so last question i want to ask you guys we've watched this movie we've talked about it we've uh, you know obviously there's a lot of written content on the site which you can check out at the um but for each of you um like what's your last word on election as to why it's essential and sort of what was the thing that struck you the most about it on this most recent viewing uh sarah why don't you start Oh, I'm not ready. Aaron, why don't you start? Um, yeah, I don't know. You can pass to Aaron. You you pass. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and stumble my way through my thoughts. Um, I think it is essential. I think that there's a lot worth digging into, and there's a lot more than I remembered. So much more than I remembered. I didn't I didn't ever watch this with a critical eye until rewatching it for this, and I was just shocked by how many layers I thought there were even from like camera angles and the way like shots were set up and just like those freeze frames that we didn't really get into but which I love very very much uh because I think what I think is interesting uh and this will be my I guess my final note just my last thing I wanted to share is that uh the thing I noticed about them was that whenever um with I think oh maybe only one exception whenever McAllister has a little freeze frame on Tracy it is very specifically catching her with like the worst, like eyes half open, yeah. looking <laughs> like hit by a truck, just like a terrible, terrible freeze frame. Like she looks like a lunatic. <laughs> uh, and then whenever there's a freeze frame of McAllister from Tracy's point of view, he just looks like a normal man, just a guy. There's nothing particularly funny about any of his freeze frames. He's usually just looking at something. Uh, and I think that that says, like, way too much about those two characters, and I love it. Yeah, that's really funny. Aaron, what do you think? Sure. Um, well, one thing we didn't really touch upon much, but I think that the casting of Matthew Broderick uh, as Jim McAllister is pretty perfect. Obviously, he is uh, Ferris Bueller, uh, the most famous uh, high school student 
uh, ever. So to see him sort of uh, as a grown-up version uh, in the same world and kind of, if you, I'm sure someone very smart could come up with some sort of actual realis- uh, you know, visualization of this being the character of Ferris Bueller grown up and now kind of stuck in this life and being sort of a bitter, hateful person uh, and wishing that they could you know, relive their high school experience and, and, and knowing that they can't kind of taking it out on these, uh, these poor kids, I think, uh, would be kind of a fun exercise. Um, it might not hold up. I don't know. I haven't totally thought about it, but I think there may be some elements there. I mean, I think he was cast definitely for a reason. And, uh, so that's pretty fun. I mean, when I decided, when I picked election to run this week, obviously the week of the election, I knew I wanted something political, I thought maybe when I would rewatch the film, I would see more of a satire of our political process. And I don't think that's exactly what Alexander Payne's going for. I think there are, as we've talked about here, there are definitely um, some through lines between the film and, and what we're seeing in this election today. Um, but I think it's, uh, I think it's, I don't know. I think it's a, a great film to cover this week, uh, a fun a fun film to to capture the spirit uh, of a much different uh, election that may not have the same stakes, but is is uh, in some ways just as uh, ridiculous. Uh, yeah, you can say that again, and I'm excited that we'll have this episode as something to look back on. Uh, you know, either some of the funny things about Hillary Clinton that we talked about, future President Clinton perhaps, or to the idea that the three of us were once happy. Uh, if <laughs> don't go <laughs> the way I think we're all hoping they will. Um, but I think that for me, um, two really quick things. Um, one is that uh, I was looking at this movie. I, I think I've already said a lot. It's just sort of thinking about the election. Um, and some of the things that people have said over the course of this election process in real life that, you know, oh, th- that's so, like, weird and goofy and on the nose that, like, if you wrote it in a movie, like, it would seem unrealistic. And I, I couldn't really find anything like that that was worth bringing up in this conversation. Um, but I, it's something that, like, I think I'll probably always think about when I watch this movie and other movies like it in the future. Um, and especially when we, uh, I guess, get the inevitable, you know, 2016 election movie. Um, but I think that that has this election in real life has changed the way we're going to look at political movies and especially political satire. Um, so that's kind of an interesting thing to just take with you going forward. And then the other thing I was, I was thinking a little bit about was, um, the, uh, we've had so many sort of these gender bending, uh, remakes lately with the ghostbusters and we've gotten oceans 11 slash eight or nine or whatever movie coming out next year. Um, and I think that election would have been a really interesting movie if everyone had changed, sort of genders, and I'm sure some things wouldn't have entirely been possible, but what if Tracy Flick was a man? What if Paul was a woman? Um, and and, yes, and Tracy what if... If was a man, the movie would be four minutes long, and it would just be he won the election. And <laughs> that's, that's sort of what I mean, though, right? Is like, <laughs> I think it would be interesting. It, the, the things that she's going through are interesting because she's a woman, and I don't think that that would be the case if it was a man in that role. Um, I don't think that somebody so unqualified could get as far as Paul does if it's uh, 
uh, you know, Paulina. And yeah, I don't think just that a really sweet, nice girl. <laughs> <laughs> you, you went to Paulina instead of the obvious Paula. That's interesting. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm tired. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but Mrs. McAllister, would she have kept her job after covering for um, her friend, uh, you know, sleeping with one of the male students? Um, just stuff like that. Like, I was, I was kind of interested to think about. And, um, and there's nothing in the film that supports any of these ideas, but it's kind of a fun <laughs> exercise to consider. And uh, I, I mean, uh, I'm, a male student sleeping with the teacher. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah, I believe we've all learned that that's just, that's called becoming a man. <laughs> there are plenty of movies about about that sort of transformation. There are lots of movies about that. Yeah, I know. Um <laughs> So, uh, so anyway, that's just, uh, that's just some fun stuff that I, I took into the film and left the film, um, uh, thinking about. And, um, I, and that sort of wraps up our conversation of election. I hope you enjoyed listening. And, um, if you want to, uh, listen to new episodes of the podcast, um, or read the content we've got on election and all sorts of other movies for the rest of the year and, and into 2017, uh, hopefully <laughs> um <laughs> you can check it all out at the com, and um, you can also download and subscribe to our podcast in itunes um, just search for the sin essential and uh, you'll find what you're looking for if you enjoy the show um feel free to leave us some comments or uh, a review in itunes we'd really appreciate that and it would help other people discover and enjoy the podcast we certainly enjoy making it we hope you enjoy listening to it um we've got a few more episodes planned for here on out um, in 2016 so uh, keep an eye out for the site for those and uh, also you can check out our uh, Twitter and Facebook accounts on Twitter we're at The Sin Essential on Facebook just search for The Sin Essential and like our page um, anything else that you guys want to add before we go today? Uh, depending on if a certain a uh, certain some something wins on Tuesday remember us as we were <laughs> certain something certain orange something (laughs) (laughs) indeed um so all the laughter uh get it in now while you can just in case (laughs) (laughs) um so uh for sarah and aaron i'm john uh we thank you for listening and we'll talk to you again soon Watch you do and Jennifer